Hello, welcome to the Living Open podcast for mystics and seekers. I'm your host, Erin. I'm a Philly-based healing artist, and this is a podcast to support your healing journey. Hello, my friends. Welcome to this week's episode of the Living Open podcast for mystics and seekers. This week's episode is all about the intersections of creativity and witchcraft and magic um, with Erin Elise Borzak. We get really deep into fostering the magic inside of you and creative nourishment in all of the magical ways. Erin um, uses she, her pronouns and she's an illustrator and witch based in unceded territory of the Cherokee and Shawnee nations um, through classes on witchery and creative recovery as well as through her illustrated decks she helps creative witches get clarity on their purpose and keep inspired through uncertain times she has two published oracle decks and she has a tarot deck coming out soon in collaboration with my friend Davis who's also been on the podcast of Meridian Tarot. You can check out her episode if you scroll kind of way back in the archives. It's definitely been a while, Um, but that's also a great episode to listen to. So in this episode, we get into Erin's journey with creativity and magic, her process of claiming witch and what it means to her to be a witch, core witchcraft values and beliefs, noticing the magic around you, sigils and symbols, weaving magic and integrating magic into your life magic as a pivot point during the day and simple pivot spells using what you have to make magic something that i am so passionate about personal symbology and personal um symbolism as shaped by the collective staying creative through uncertain times the connections between monetizing your work and feeling disconnected from your creativity being an artist who sells your work and still feeling connected to that work working with your internal creative flow, creating wells for creative nourishment and creative seasons and cycles. So it's a really rich and beautiful conversation. I hope you enjoy it. Before we get into it, I did want to share that my work has been changing a little bit and I'm starting to focus a bit more on working with pleasure with folks and also working more specifically with people who come from religious backgrounds or have been, you know, identified as ex-religious or ex-Christian or ex-evangelical or processing, deconstructing in some way. Um, I've been doing that for a while, but I'm really, really focusing on that um, right now, and I feel really excited about that. So stay tuned throughout the summer. I'm going to be having some more pleasure-centered, pleasure-oriented offerings coming around that I'm excited about. Um, I'm holding space for an erotic poetry class at the end of July, so I'll put the link for that in the description. And I still have lots of free things on my website for you. I have a free meditation for ex-religious folks you can download, a free just standard breathwork meditation if you're wanting to uh, work with deepening your personal breathwork practice, your personal practice of getting into your body. That can be really helpful. Um, so you can find all those links in the description and the links to Aaron's work as well, of course. And with that being said, here is my conversation with the wonderful Aaron of Hollow Valley. And I'd love to start by hearing about your journey with creativity and magic and yeah, how you've gotten to this moment. Wow. Yeah. So um, it's basically been an entire lifetime um, of creativity and magic, I would say. Um, my parents are both artists, so I've definitely been an artist my entire life and had the inclination Um really am grateful for the fact that I grew up in a space where creativity was really fostered. Mm -hmm. So um, even though, you know, as I was kind of going into schooling and college and stuff, my parents were like, Hey, being an artist, isn't necessarily the most supportive job. You might be a little stressed. They also like, didn't talk me out of it. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. um, because they've lived that life and uh, enjoy doing what they do for a living. So um I've always kind of known that I would end up being an artist. Um, And really, I have also always been a witch, but I really started to claim the title of witch more like in the past five years or so. 
Um, so I've definitely like called myself an artist longer than I've called myself a witch. Mm-hmm. Um, but I realized that the two have grown together very um, synchronously in my past that like my magic and my art have been intertwined my entire life. And that I like didn't really have words for it until I started um, delving into the witchy community and starting to learn more about um, just the esoteric and stuff like that. So uh, I would say when I was in college for art is really when I started diving into tarot. Um, and that became a big part of my um, senior thesis. I actually illustrated a tarot deck that no one has seen. That's so cool. <laughs> I know it's funny. It's like it exists, but literally no one has seen it except for like a handful of people that I went to school with and my senior advisors. But um, that was really like, when I got into, I always knew by the end of college, I knew I wanted to um, make a tarot deck at some point um, Mm. again, (laughs) because of course the senior thesis deck felt very like loaded with school trauma and just like general, like college anxiety. And it just felt um like it wasn't something that the world was needed to see. It was kind of more for me and for figuring out like how my love of tarot and witchery and art could kind of coincide. And that kind of fueled me into um, doing that after I graduated in publishing a deck. So mm-hmm. that actually went into the world and people saw. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. I just like jotted down so many things that I want to ask you about more. (laughs) You talked about claiming witch. Um, Mm -hmm. I feel like this would be really cool to talk about. I'd love to hear more about what that process for you is like. And also what does, like, what does that mean to you? What does it mean to you to be a witch and practice witchcraft? Totally. Um, The process was painful in some ways. It's so strange because I got really, really into reading tarot for myself when I was diagnosed with panic disorder in like 2011 ish. And it was kind of my entry point into witchery. But as I started reading more about the esoteric and witchery, I realized I've been doing these things my entire life. And I actually, it's so funny. I had a conversation with my mom kind of partly into quarantine where I kind of for lack of better words, came out to her as a witch. And that I told her that I was like, this is how I identify myself. And like, this is like who I am. And ever since then, she's really, she's so funny. She'll be like, oh my gosh, you've been making potions since you were so tiny. Like, I remember when you used to do this. And like, I'm now realizing that all these things you were doing were like spells. And she just, it's been really cool to hear from her that like, I've been doing it my whole life. And so that's been really affirming, but I will say like probably in like 20, I didn't even really want to claim witch until my deck was already published. Like I'd already published an Oracle deck when I really started to claim the title of witch. And I think, you know, it's loaded in a lot of ways, um, for a lot of people. But when I realized that that was what I was, it only felt empowering Um, just in the sense that like going through school and growing up in the South, people kind of ask you a lot about, you know, are you a Christian or do you have religion? And my answer has always been just like, I guess I'm spiritual, but not religious. I don't know. I just believe that like, you know, you can see the divine in nature has always kind of Mm -hmm. been my response because that's how my mom raised me. And, um, when I realized that that means witch it was a very easy like progression of like oh I already am a witch because I'm a spiritual person who believes that the the divine is speaking to us through the natural world and like to me that's what witchery means is that like you are a person who is willing to a um build and support your intuitive gifts and be like really start to notice the way that the universe communicates with us through the natural world. So mm-hmm. I guess that would be my personal definition of which. That's so beautiful. And I love that you got that from your mom too, about nature. Yeah. Right? It's yeah. funny. She's like the witchiest Christian I know. 
always joke because she she goes to church, but it's like she definitely raised me to believe like her like the way that she connects with God is through nature. So like she raised me to connect to the divine and to like my spirituality and my intuition through nature and the natural world. So she raised me as a witch without really knowing it. And now that she like sees it, she thinks it's so funny, but (laughs) she like loves it. She loves it. She like, I don't know. It's so funny to listen to her kind of like realize that she's been, um, fostering this magic within me my entire life which Mm. feels really cool too what a beautiful phrase to fostering the magic within you I love that so much I'm what you're sharing about you know connecting with divine through nature is making me wonder if there are other kind of like core values or core beliefs that are part of the way you see the world through spirituality through witchcraft totally um seeing the divine and like connecting through nature that like also has really been a big part of my love of symbolism, which like why I did a symbol deck first is because symbolism was sort of my entry point into like a really understanding tarot and also really understanding the fact that like the universe is speaking to us because when I started noticing symbols that appeared in my life and how they correlated to what I was going through and like the messages I needed to receive, it became really apparent to me that I wasn't, you know, just floating through the world without any sort of guidance. Um, And so I would say that like my biggest like value for my business is kind of noticing the magic that exists around me and communicating that and sharing that with people and like helping people notice the simple magic that already exists around them. That like, if you really start to see it, it can shift your life without actually having to change much other than just being open to receiving it. Mm, That's so real. I think so much of witchcraft to me and so much of making art to me is just paying attention. Yeah. yeah, Literally. That's what like, I start with in my class on magic and uh, art, magic and creativity, like the very first part of that class is the art of noticing and the act of Mm -hmm. noticing and the realization that when you begin to notice and begin to kind of like either journal about it or speak to it to yourself or really like talk to other people about it, you're communicating to the universe that you're listening. And then the universe knows like, oh, I can keep throwing stuff at you because you're, you're paying me attention. Um, so it really opens that possibility of co-creation that I believe so deeply in. Mm, I believe so deeply in it too. Maybe we can talk more about symbolism and sigils too, because Ah. I know you've taught classes about sigils before. Mm -hmm. I also love sigils. I've made this sigil before COVID that I was going to get tattooed. And now I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to get that tattooed anymore, but, um, Yeah. So maybe you could just share a little bit about what sigils mean to you, maybe what they are. I don't know if people listening, if everyone listening will even know. Yeah. So a sigil is essentially a um, symbolic representation of a phrase of intention. So you take um, basically the like most common method is actually writing out the phrase of intention and crossing out all the vowels and then rearranging the consonants to form a symbol of some kind. Um, And I think I connect with sigils so deeply because I'm an artist and like my brain is very visual. And so it really helps me to like integrate the phrase of intention into my subconscious when I'm working with it in that way, like turning it into a symbol, turning it into something a little more tangible and a little more like artistic. Um, It sort of tricks my brain into remembering it more deeply and intentionally. So um, that's really like why I love sigils. They just work with my creative side so flawlessly and that like it, it feels so natural to me to create a symbol out of a phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really think the reason why I love sigils so much is I feel like they are infinitely shareable magic too. Um, I just love teaching sigil craft has been such a gift for me because everyone making sigils after teaching that class has just been such a wonderful example of how sigils are so 
infinitely like giveable. Um, like mm-hmm. if anyone makes a sigil and shares it, then like anyone can use it and really turn that phrase of intention into a spell. Um, and that just feels, I don't know, like you're putting that, that magic out into the world that people can then take and use. And um, mm-hmm. it's this really powerful way of like spreading intention too. Yeah. And I think sigils are creative and they're also something that does feel so accessible and it could be anything, you know, and they're not like hard to create. They're just deeply personal. And so I know something else that you talk about a lot is weaving magic into your life and making ritual and spell work more accessible. So I'd love to hear any thoughts you have about that and what that's like for you in your life. Uh, Yeah, totally. That's a big part of what I teach and what I try to kind of just tell people because I use magic for like the most practical of things all the time. And just having those like little boosts to just the normal rituals of my life. So, you know, like instead of just setting an intention in the morning, setting an intention and making a sigil and maybe if I have an extra five minutes carving that sigil into a candle and lighting it so that it's burning while I work or journal or something can be like just a really powerful way to like integrate magic into the day in a way that's not like I have to, you know, set out all my things and put on my cloak and get under the moon and time it perfectly <laughs> and the bells and whistles, which like sometimes is super great, but um, we're busy people in a busy world and we all have a lot going on. And for me, it's important to integrate magic into my everyday too, just because it's part of my job. Um, I want the things that I put out into the world to be touched by magic. So um, it's important to me to kind of integrate it into my process as well. Um, I really, I really love the idea of using magic as just a pivot point in the day. And that's kind of my biggest thing that I use it for just on a daily basis is, um, as a person with anxiety, it's like often you get to the middle of the day and you're sort of paralyzed and don't know what to do. And having tarot cards or having like a simple pivot spell can be really powerful for me to just be like, okay, like I'm reaching the end of my rope for like this energy right now. And I need to shift my energy into something different. So making that just like a tiny moment of pause to make magic in a day can also just boost me through the rest, give a little extra oomph to the afternoon slump. Yeah. Yeah. What could a simple pivot spell look like for you? What do you mean by that? Um, So I love thresholds. Like I um, have done lots of things where I'll like um, sprinkle salt at my studio door and just walking over my studio door Mm -hmm. frame, like walking into it again, like walking out and walking back in just intentionally can be really powerful. Um, I love the sigil on the hand method. That's like one of my favorite things. And a lot of people that I have taught sigil craft to do that now, because it's just such an easy thing to do, like write your sigil on your hand. And then every time you wash your hands, just like keep thinking of that intention. And so it's activating Mm -hmm. as you wash and it's just like a good way to reconnect with whatever your intention was for the day. Um, and then another thing that I love to do now, that's kind of been a new fun thing for me, especially in tourist season has been just like putting on makeup, Mm. like putting on makeup and like choosing the colors based on the intention that I want to use for the rest of the day. So if I'm like trying to get super witchy, like maybe putting a smoky eye on and something like that, or if I need to like really do some finance work, like green or gold eyeshadow, some like gold eyeliner to really like get myself in the the like manifestation mood. So little simple things like that, just doing really normal, like routine pivot things with intention can be just like a lovely way to just incorporate magic into your day. Like Mm. as you're putting on your gold eyeliner saying, you know, um, something as simple as like, I need to be, I need to manifest this afternoon. Like I need to make this happen or like just speaking a phrase of intention while you do it can it helps me that's for sure 
Yeah. I'm like, I wish I wore makeup as you're saying this. I've been trying to do a little bit of color with my outfits though. Yeah. With like my toenail polish. <laughs> I totally like, and that's the thing is I really w- am not a makeup person and wasn't. And definitely in the beginning of the pandemic, I was like, nothing's touching my face. I'm never putting on anything again. And then I just started seeing people doing such like cool. I think it really like someone referred to putting on makeup as shape shifting like as a witch as shape shifting and that really transformed it for me um and then when I realized that you can play with color magic um like how makeup and color magic can be involved together just opened that world I put sigils on my nail polish bottles that like oh, correspond so, good. <laughs> so when I put on my nail polish it's like my gold has a um, abundant sigil on it and my witch has uh my black has a um the sigil on my black nail polish is I'm a powerful business witch. So whenever I need to really embody my powerful business witch self, I do my black nails. That's so good. <laughs> little stuff. Was this always what your practice was like, or has it more evolved into this integration and this small spells type of work? Um, it's always been this way. I just didn't really know it. I think is part yeah. of it too. Like I, have been doing like these little like small spells and even like the way that I was taught to handle my anxiety kind of going through high school, like mantras really even become like, I did a lot of like mantras and like speaking the same phrases before I went to bed and things like that, that were just like small, simple rituals. And I didn't realize they were spells until I realized they were spells. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think while like part of me wants to say no, when I really think and look back on it, yes, they definitely have been, it's definitely been the way that I've worked with magic is just integrating it where it shows up and trying to just do as much as I can with intention Mm. throughout the day. Yeah. That's so much of, what it is for me too and I was just thinking about how it wasn't always though um about how I felt like things had to be much more like yeah ceremonial or tools based and that was never something that actually resonated with me but just kind of like an Instagram should I think oh 100% and I will say like when I first like claimed the title of witch I went through a phase where I felt like I was doing everything wrong (laughs) Um, and where I felt like I had to have the books and I had to do it all in this like very specific way. And there's a lot of like kind of fear mongering and gatekeeping around like certain aspects of witchery that like I definitely fed into for a while. But I think I'm lucky that like my witchy community has been very like supportive and open-minded and I follow a lot of people like you who really have that perspective Mm -hmm. where um magic is not like this thing you have to learn how to do perfectly it's this inherent part of you that you learn to work with um and that really shifted my mindset and made me realize that I didn't need all the bells and whistles and books and fancy things to really like dig into magic every day Um, I definitely am the kind of person who feels like I can't do anything until I know everything about it. So um, (laughs) I certainly went through like a couple years of that early in my like actual witching where I've been doing more intentional witching. Um, But I feel really, yeah, I feel really lucky that like the resources that I have have made me feel empowered. And then I really want to take it upon myself to help other people and other witches feel empowered to craft their own spells and integrate magic in their life in a way that's accessible and not super, um, like structured and wrote. Um, a lot of people like structure, but having like rituals that are tiny can just be such a powerful thing to help like people who feel magical, but maybe don't get to do a ton of like big rituals and things that require a lot of time and space and energy and money and resources. So 
Yeah, I think even the idea that you can craft your own spells and craft your own rituals is pretty radical and it's incredible. Like I, (laughs) I'm not good with authority or with people telling me things to do. So I was never like, I never resonated too much with like very prescriptive rituals or spells. Um, But I just know it's so much more powerful. It's yeah, because I think the things outside of us are not magic. Like we are the magic and we can bring that to whatever we decide and desire. Yeah. 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 And I think too, there is this very like, I I guess it's just a capitalistic viewpoint of like, we need to have all these things in order to be able to do it. Like we need to have like one of every crystal for every use. And I just love like the idea of using what you have and I think that's why I love symbolism so much because you can take really any intention and find something in your house or in your yard that is a symbolic representation of that intention that you can like add to your altar or use in a spell to just add like that extra something. And it doesn't have to be like something you have to buy at a crystal shop or it can be just like a pair of scissors or a blade of grass or something really simple. Right. It can be whatever it is for you. It doesn't have to be like, I don't know, this symbol is this, but like personal symbology, like what we're talking about is just so powerful. And that's another thing that I really talk about in um, my classes and just in the coven and with my witchy pals is really trying to encourage people to uh, keep a symbolism grimoire where they start to talk about their own personal associations with symbols. So like, Mm -hmm notice when they show up for you and what you're going through and like allowing that to help you like build an intuitive understanding of that symbol instead of just like reading a book about it and being like, well, a white man once said that this represents this. (laughs) I guess that's what it represents now. Like it's always a white man. (laughs) It's always a white, I mean, it's always a white man. There are always white men that came up with these things and it all can be traced back to a white man. So it's like, (laughs) it's, you know, you take everything you read in a simple book with a grain of salt because it comes from a lot of years of religion and patriarchy and this Mm -hmm. et cetera, et cetera. But um, yeah, I really encourage people to kind of start to notice when symbols show up and then correlate that with kind of the flow of their life, what they're going through, what they're feeling, the messages they need to receive and, kind of notice how those things continue to like repeat themselves and you can really start to see that synchronicity and that's when it really hits people I think that they are intuitive and also that like they are capable of receiving messages and gifts from the universe and yeah that can be like a really big shift for people to start seeing that absolutely what you're saying too about creating like a personal book of symbols or collection of symbols I haven't like I don't have a specific uh like list of symbols or anything but it makes me think about how much that's woven into like my poetry because I write poetry those are all my symbols (laughs) and that become metaphors that become poems um and it's personal to me and how creative that is like what a creative exercise that is too It's such a creative exercise. And if you really think about it, like symbolism is so beautiful because it's shaped by the collective. And so as we experience these symbols in new ways, we get to kind of shape the way the collective sees them too. Like it feels like an honor to be able to put out a deck of symbols and have people like read a guidebook and the things that I wrote about symbols, because it feels like I'm contributing to this like universal language we all speak. And I think we all are it's our birthright to contribute to that language by like experiencing the world and letting symbols become personal to us. Um, Yeah. Yeah. And we all have something to contribute. Um, Do you work with dream symbolism at all or dream magic? (laughs) I don't, I probably should. I have wild dreams and they always are in the same places and involve the same things and actions. So I feel like there's probably a lot of deep symbolism that goes on that I just like am ignoring. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm just asking. I mean, 
obviously like I love working with my dreams and that's a big part of my witchcraft practice, but, um, I learned so much about symbols for me through my dreams by thinking, by writing my dreams and then touching on the things that feel really alive in the dream and thinking about what my associations are with them and what they make me feel and connecting um, those dream symbols in that way. Not like, what does a deer mean in my dream, but (laughs) like what they are for me. Um, So yeah, I feel like my dreams are such a rich source of personal symbolism. I just have a lot of dreams of having to pack clothing into suitcases. Is that? <laughs> <laughs> I always joke that it means I need to get my shit together. Like it's clearly like my dreams being like, girl, you're so disorganized. Get it together. That's so funny. <laughs> like, what does that mean exactly? I don't know. It just always happens. <laughs> always packing clothing. I have dreams that make sense now that I remember having years ago or dreams that I'm like holy shit like that's what that was telling me that I didn't know at the time but looking back it's so clear so I have a feeling that's gonna be what happens it's gonna be like four (laughs) years from now I I'm also I'm going through my Saturn return Mm. in the next little bit so (laughs) yeah thank you um so I feel like that like I've been having dreams about packing suitcases and also like getting to the airport and not having my ticket. So I feel like there's some like Saturnian, like get organized, build structures messages happening there that I'm Mm -hmm. trying to follow and listen to. Yeah. (laughs) I'm like, that seems like a good message for all of us. I need to hear that. I need to get structured. (laughs) Hard one. Yeah. I mean, so I also wanted to ask you about how the past, you know, pandemic year and mm-hmm. some bit <laughs> has been for you creatively and how you've been keeping inspired and working with all the uncertainty. Yes. Um, wow. That's so much. Um, just like my my work right now is figuring out how to be creative and the uncertainty. It's such a big part of my like, practice and also what I've been teaching people um, because I think that like my biggest tool in the pandemic really has been magic um, in terms of staying creative through the uncertainty. I was a barista before this year um, and we closed in March of 2020 and I had the opportunity to go back in June And, um, I just decided what during the period of time between March and June, I started essentially trying to make it full-time art wise. Um, and I was doing well enough by June that I felt confident that I could dip from my barista job and at least give it a shot. (laughs) Um, and it's worked out, so I'm still making it work. It feels really, really wonderful to be doing this for a living. I mean, I couldn't ask for a better job. So definitely happy about that. Um, In terms of staying creative in the uncertainty, I've listened to a lot of Brene Brown. Um, I've done a lot of magic in terms of like shadow work, really confronting traumas that have been put upon me by my family and my ancestors in terms of money, pain and struggle and the sort of stories Mm -hmm. I've been told about what it means to be a working artist and what's possible as a working artist. Um, And so there's been a lot of fear for sure, but I have a very fire heavy, air heavy birth chart. And so I'm pretty impulsive as a person in general. (laughs) So there's been a lot for me, it's been a lot of like stumbling forward blindly and hoping for the best. And then having to really like reconcile with my beliefs and expectations when things don't go as planned. Mm. Um, Which is a, just the cycle 
isn't it? <laughs> of being a business owner, I think. It really is just the cycle of being a business owner of like the highs and lows of like, this is going great. And then all of a sudden, like the same thing isn't going great anymore. Weird. So yeah. Do people talk about that enough? Because I feel like, no, it's such big highs and big lows. Big lows. I will say like my small business support community through this has been the biggest help in terms of like not feeling alone. Um, I really think just having other witchy entrepreneurs and creative entrepreneurs around me that understand what I'm going through who are trying to make the same shit happen is just such a powerful, powerful tool. Like being able to go to a group of people when you're launching a class and be like, I'm losing my shit. No one's signing up. Everything's falling apart. Help. (laughs) And then having them be like, A, your hype people to be like, it's okay. This happens. Launch weeks are really hard. And like give you that emotional support and then be, be able to be like, all right, what can we do to help? How can we help you? Is just like, I couldn't do it without my support system, I think is, I mean, truly. And you've talked to Davis Carr. She's my, Mm. my main business, my main business pal. And we just like, I don't, I don't know how we would do it. We were just talking this morning. We don't know how we would have done it without each other this whole year. So having that like support and having someone that you can have honest conversations with like about where you are in your business and how hard it is and how good it is and just how it's so many different things all at once is so it's so important it's so important it's so important we need those people so much in that community um I wanted to ask you was if we could dig a little bit more into what you shared about the money and creativity piece and the struggle around that and the yeah beliefs around that that you have had to work through slash are working through too yeah it's a big one it is a big one it's a big one and I um I think you know that I've been in pyre with Ren Zadapak and Sarah Chapel uh this year um which is like their big witchy business course and that has been super helpful in terms of like we did a big month on money dogma, which Mm -hmm. was helpful for me because yeah, like my parents are both working artists and they've done it their whole lives, but they've also always felt a lot of stress around money. Um, and a lot of scarcity mindset. That's like, I very much like, even though I had a very, you know, privileged childhood and grew up perfectly happy and well-supported, I definitely like always felt a lot of like stress around money and Mm -hmm. the feeling that it, there wasn't enough to go around in the world in general and that very like capitalistic mindset. And I think for a long time I've struggled with like how to be an artist who sells her work and still feel connected to that work. Mm -hmm. and college was a very difficult time in that realm because I really was just trying to figure out like if I was going to be a working artist what that even meant or what it would look like and I think like there's definitely a point where you start selling your work and you start to feel disconnected from your creativity because you're monetizing it Mm -hmm. the biggest way that I've really come back to that is through magic again (laughs) and then also just I think the coolest thing about building a witchy or creative business is that you have this opportunity to make it what you want to make it and to also follow this the like the signs of where you're making the biggest difference And the biggest gift for me has been realizing that it's not just the things I draw that make me a creative human. It's also my ideas and sharing my ideas and having that dichotomy of being able to like be an artist who draws and like makes pretty Mm -hmm. things, but also a person who like 
has ideas that are bigger than that has been really liberating for me in terms of letting my art just be art, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Um, But it's also just a process of, I think once I figured out what my style was and what I wanted to make, it was a process of really making sure that every time I made art, I was making art that I wanted to make, even if it was for money. Mm. Um, it's important to me to like not take commissions that I hate (laughs) and not, um, work on projects that don't light me up. Mm. Um, which once again is a privilege. I think that like a lot of artists in the beginning, like, and in the beginning for me, there was definitely a period of time where I kind of just had to say yes to a lot of things that I didn't necessarily want to say yes to because it, was necessary to get me through my like first couple years as an entrepreneur. And I think in that period of time, magic and tarot really became like my escape from the art that I didn't want to necessarily be doing. Um, Mm -hmm. And the art that was maybe more, I did a lot of like work for the coffee shop that I was working for. So like artistic work for them and, you know, like some of it was fun, but a lot of it just felt like I was putting time into creativity that was just to pay my bills. Um, And that kind of sucks the fun out of it. So um, allowing myself to really dig into making art around symbolism and magic was kind of my escape from that. And then obviously like I then made a symbol deck and now that's my job. (laughs) You you like take your escape and then you turn it into your job. But I really now like feel that my best way to combat that, like this is my job and I have to be creative in order to make money mindset is really to allow myself to be creative when I'm feeling creative. Um, I do a lot of like structured planning of my week, but then I try really hard to allow myself to sort of flow with my, like what feels like what I need to work on in the moment. And like when I'm feeling creative, stopping everything to just get some drawing done. Um, Mm. Because for me, it's really about like working with my like internal flow and connecting with magic has really helped me figure out what that internal flow is Mm. and start to like recognize like when it's time to make art and when it's time to rest. Mm. Yeah. And when it's time to like answer my emails. (laughs) And that's like one of the coolest things I think about being an artistic business owner for me is that like some of that tasky stuff is really relieving for me. Like it's something to do that's not focusing all my creative energy. So kind of having those things to bounce back and forth between. But also just like, and I say this a lot in my coven and just to people who are business owners, like you don't have to be on all the time. And that's been a big thing that I've had to like reckon with and learn as a business owner, because it feels like you have to be on all the time, especially when your work is being you and being creative. Like it feels like you have to be on all the time. And the capitalism world makes us believe that if we're not on all the time, we're doing something wrong. Um, So learning to work with like the cycles of my own creativity has been so liberating for me and just realizing that like, there's going to be some weeks when I can't draw Mm -hmm. and that doesn't make me any less of an artist and it doesn't make me any less of a working artist. It just, it's the cycle of creativity. Some weeks I need rest. Some weeks are fulfilling the well. Absolutely. Some weeks are fulfilling the well. And sometimes too, I find our weeks for just playing and being creatively fed in other ways that maybe aren't just rest, but also aren't like the thing that I'm working on or the project or the thing I'm doing for money. There are ways for, or there are times for using my creativity in other ways. And those times feel so nourishing and feed everything else too. 
Exactly. That's, I mean, a big thing for me, I've been a knitter for a long time and Mm. that was a big, like I took up knitting hardcore again when I started working full-time as an artist, or at least working more as an artist, because it really felt like that creative escape that Mm. wasn't monetized. It like didn't have anything to do with my art. So I think finding something that makes you feel creative and intuitive and like inspired that you can do to kind of use that energy that doesn't have anything to do with your work is super important when your work is being creative because you have to have a creative outlet that you don't monetize. Mm -hmm. You just have to, you just have to, it's important. (laughs) Yeah. I got really into embroidery over the winter and I'm obsessed with it. It's so fun, but yeah, it's not my job. And that's amazing. (laughs) Yeah. It's just like a good outlet to just be creative and intuitive without feeling like you have to meet some sort of expectation. Mm -hmm. And for me, there's so much like the act of using my hands with it that just feels so good and so soothing too. So soothing. I love, I love an off uh, off-topic creative project to kind of yes. balance out the on-topic creative projects. <laughs> More off-topic creative projects this year. <laughs> That's what I'm calling it. <laughs> we're, we're gardening this summer and that feels like a creative project. So, mm. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I've even been spending a lot of time recently just like listening to music and coloring. It's <laughs> just like so relaxing and feels creative in a different way and feels really nourishing and supportive and like yeah more wells for that more wells for that absolutely I mean if it's play-doh or like Mm. I don't know my god (laughs) like beading play-doh I don't know I got um I got some shrinky dink like plastic recently that I want to play with I mean just finding like little things to do that are like creative play that have absolutely nothing to do with the things that I sell is such an important part of my process to just getting back Mm -hmm. into it. I think, um, I definitely have a problem with overworking myself and not giving myself enough time for rest and, um, careening towards burnout without really any, like, (laughs) like I said, I have a lot of fire and air in my chart and I tend to just like I see it coming. I'm careening towards burnout and I'm like, this is fine. Yep. Um, But 2020 had 2020, 2021 has been like a huge gift for me in learning how to slow down and work with those cycles, like having Mm -hmm. the world kind of just slow down. It was kind of really good for a person like me that has a lot of um, spark and, the tendency to just like move forward without any sort of all that fire (laughs) all that fire all that fire just like let's go yeah yeah and I mean that honoring of creative cycles and all of our cycles is so powerful and it's so important I it's really wild to me when I forget that and I start getting really stressed about like oh I'm not creating on this thing or nothing is flowing and then it's like it doesn't have to be all the time right and two weeks later all of these poems are pouring out of me and I'm like oh right this is how it feels and I want it to be like that all the time but it just isn't and I don't actually want it to be either (laughs) I mean if you think about it it's like the world the nature it's like connecting it all with natural cycles is so powerful too because when you start about it in terms of like gardening was really big for us in 2020. And when I started to kind of relate my creative practice to the cycle of like gardening and harvesting, it became so much more clear to me that like, like you can't bloom all year long. Like you can't bloom Mm -hmm. constantly. Like you have to have periods of rest and rejuvenation. And it just so many times that I've tried to push through my burnout by just like forcing myself to draw and forcing myself to make stuff and then just ended up miserable and tired, like Mm. has just learning that, that experience of doing it over and over again and being like, this isn't working anymore. Yeah. Um, Like it's not creative summer all the time. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't need to be. And it kind of can't be, I mean, it really Mm -hmm. can't be, you just have to, in order to be a creative person, you have to, to fill the well, to take the time to, to rejuvenate your yeah creative stockpile. I mean, if you're just 
pouring your soul into your creativity all the time and not having new experiences to feed your creativity. Mm. Yeah. I was talking to my creative writing coach a couple of months ago and I was like, I'm not writing these poems that are left for my collection that I really want to be writing, but they're just not there. They're just not coming. And I was like, I feel like I'm, I'm still living what I need to write, you know, like I'm just existing in this time because they're not ready yet. I still need to live this to write those poems. And yeah, I think that's just true sometimes. And also the idea that anything always needs to be a certain way or things need to be a way every day all the time is just capitalism. It's hundred yeah. percent capitalism. I mean, you're an artist, but you don't have to be an artist all the time. And you're a witch, but you don't have to be a witch all the time. And it's okay to be just a person. Yeah. <laughs> take a bath. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Number one identity is human person. Yeah. <laughs> like- Number one identity, human person. <laughs> Sometimes you need a quesadilla and you just got to chill. Mm-hmm. Or like a lot of quesadillas. <laughs> or like a lot of quesadillas. Oh, like yeah. <laughs> uh, I love this conversation so much. Thank you for taking the time. I'm, this is so much fun. <laughs> oh, I know. It's so nice to finally get to chat with you. I feel like I yeah. uh, have just seen you on Instagram for so long. and Yeah, you know, same. Work, so. <laughs> so thank you for saying yes. Um, I want to ask you the last question I always ask on this show, of course. Um, what does living open mean to you? What comes up when you hear that? Noticing. Mm-hmm. Noticing. Just noticing all of the magic that exists around us already and paying attention to it and letting it fill us with joy and hope and a sense of possibility. Mm. Yeah. Thank you for that. I'm so welcome. Can you tell everyone all of the things where they can find you, connect with you, anything you have going on? Yeah. So um, hollowvalley.com is my website. Um, I'm the Hollow Valley on Instagram and TikTok, where I've been uh, a little more active lately, trying to keep up with the youths, (laughs) posting (laughs) process videos of our uh, tarot deck coming out in August. So that's a really cool way to keep up with that. Um, and yeah, that's basically all my socials. I don't, uh, I can't keep up with more than two at any given time. So yeah. (laughs) Amazing. I, it's so funny. I'm not on, I'm on TikTok. I'm not on witch talk at all. It's like just gay TikTok. That's my entire. I'm really not on witch talk either. I'm more on the (laughs) process video drawing TikTok. Mm -hmm. And, um, I really love the, um, doodle bunny that talks with the little buttons I don't know if you follow her but she's a dog that uh can kind of communicate in human language with buttons and that's fun (laughs) that's that's my corner of tiktok talking okay maybe I need to get on there (laughs) you need to get on talking dog tiktok it's really a good good (laughs) and then we can get back to our regularly scheduled queer programming over there exactly Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this episode, please do tap five stars and leave us a nice review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. I appreciate it so, so much. And it's a really lovely way to be in exchange with the show, with an indie podcast. You can check out all the links mentioned in this episode in the description, and I'll be back on Monday with another episode. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss it and stay in touch on Instagram at E-R-Y-N-J underscore or Patreon until then.